at the world famous comedy store at our uh, I guess last recording. This is our last, last recording oh my the comedy store. One of us has got to get past, and then we can come record here again. That'll be the goal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this is Anna Valenzuela. This is Alex Young, and we are joined today. How would you like to identify yourself? You don't have to use your whole first and last name because we get into uh, some anonymous you know, topics. It's kind of up to you. Um, it doesn't matter. I can just use it. Okay. Well, who are you then? My name is Lila Hart. Oh, hey, Lila Hart. Hello. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah. Lila's a ray of sunshine in the scene. You are just always like a sweet, sweet person. It's always so lovely to see. Bubbles and rainbows everywhere she goes. You guys are the best. It's true. It's true. It's a it's a, a weird, upsetting world, and it's nice to always have people who are kind. That's so important. One of my fondest memories of Lila was when um my fiance and I were down in San Diego at the American Comedy Club doing the NBC Diversity. Your stand-up. fiance went with you for that. She did. She was I like, did. "I want to go." Oh my God. And you get a TV deal, you buy that woman a house. Damn straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a condo in LA. Something. Because comedy doesn't pay until it pays. But we Word. were chilling there, and then we see Lila and her mom show up, and they just sprawl out in Filipina fashion with a mat, and they just. Just chill and laid so, out. It yeah, I'm pretty sure I amazing. took a nap. Yeah, yeah, you took a nap. It was really fun. Your mom was just reading a book or something. Mm-hmm. It was oh, a good fun. time. I was like, this feels good. We're 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 camping out. This Your mom thing. goes with you. Well, I think she she was in town visiting me. Um, I'm really close to my mom, so I love that. she's the best. That's amazing. Yeah, she really is awesome. Oh my gosh, it's okay. So I was kind of totally shocked that you're like a recovery person. I had no idea. Right. Okay. So actually, this is kind of funny. I have a good memory of you. Okay. Um, you used to run a mic at Big Wings, uh-huh. right? And I saw you there. And one time, you told me that you didn't drink. Yeah. And you were sober. And this is before I got sober. And I just remember being like, "Oh my gosh, that is so fucking cool Aww. that she can go up there and be so funny and does not need to use like alcohol or drugs to do that." Oh my god. So. I just feel like that was one of the first like you like one of the first like moments where it kind of planted the seed in me yeah. that like you don't have to drink to do stand up. You don't yeah. have to drink at all. You know, so that was really, really cool. Oh, you. And you've always been so nice to me. Alec. Like every time I've, I've seen you at mics or when you were hosting stuff like so it's really cool to be here with you guys. Yeah. So like what happened? Are you OK, um, <laughs> yeah. actually, Let's I mean, how it. deep how did we get, get in, in this podcast? <laughs> just, how did we get here? Um. I would I drink a lot in college. Like I went to Washington State University, so that's where I'm from. From Washington, okay. um, but that's where I guess my drinking career started was in college. Yeah, as you and, do. Yeah, and and when I was in college and I was drinking, like I felt like it was like normal to be hungover and it was normal to like puke before class because everybody else was doing it, yeah. you know. So it wasn't like anything too crazy. But then um, I had a gnarly like. I developed a gnarly addiction to Adderall, which mm-hmm. then, you know, got like in. you do. Yeah. And then it uh, turned into cocaine. And then uh, I just started smoking so much, like, cigarettes. And, like, I didn't start smoking, like, till I was 24, which is, like, really, like, for me, like, feels, like, weird to start at that time, <laughs> you know? I think it's more normal. I did all, like, my smoking and hallucinogens and, like, hard drugs when I was, like, 13, 14. So I think that, like. I mean, at least by that time, your brain isn't like, at least your brain isn't still squishy. You know what I mean? Right. But I was just like, uh, 
like shocked i guess at like the progression of by the end of like my year i was smoking like a pack a day you know and doing cocaine and not eating and drinking so many red bulls and like just my diet was horrible yeah and i think my my breaking point was um i had a stomach ache and i went to the er and i found out i had a cyst on my left ovary and they decided Mm. to do emergency surgery that day whoa so my mom flew out and i was in the hospital for nearly like a month you know and when i got out of the hospital they told me i couldn't drink i couldn't smoke and i couldn't have sex for six weeks and i just remember being like uh this is going to be really hard you know and (laughs) yeah because your body won't heal if you start doing that right and my mom left and the first thing i did is i went out and i smoked and i drank even though I wasn't supposed to. And like, that's, I think when I kind of like realized like, no, I'm an alcoholic because even with doctors telling me like, I shouldn't be drinking, I'm still doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? And, uh, I got sober June 10th, uh, 2017 so I just my one year yeah that's my belly button birthday your belly button birthday that's what they say that's like my birthday birthday that's like not my like oh that's your actual birthday my actual birthday okay cool June 10th it's a good day yeah June June 10th 2017 Mm -hmm. oh my god yeah so I just hit the one year which congrats thank you so much wow um you know it feels really amazing to like not have to drink you know and I never, ever thought that I would get to this point. I remember on my um, my sober birthday, I, like, woke up in the morning and I kind of just, like, laid in bed and soaked it all in to realize, like, my whole life from one year has changed drastically in the sense that I wouldn't say that my the outside of my life hasn't changed all that much, but it's, like, the inside of my heart has changed enormously. Of course, of course. <laughs> adorable (laughs) (laughs) so you're like full-on into it sponsor steps the whole bit um i don't actually have like i feel like i bow i've had like some sponsors like a spiritual sponsor and then like Mm -hmm. my man sponsor and i Mm -hmm. feel like i've um i definitely do a lot of service and Mm -hmm. help a lot of people like as far as like going to panels and all of that but as my like as i'm going into like my second year um, I don't really have a stable sponsor right now, no. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So how do you experience surrender? Um, I think when I, like, accepted that I was an alcoholic, like, that I am an alcoholic, and I fully, like, accept that I cannot drink and one will never be enough, and, like, surrendering that to God has really um, – and b- the fact that I'm able to say I'm an alcoholic – feel like it's like is me surrendering because for the longest time I fought it mm-hmm. you know I remember when I was 18 and one of my girlfriends called me an alcoholic like we were in a fight and she's like you're an alcoholic and I was angry <laughs> about it I was like this, how dare you this yeah. bitch but now but now it's like when I'm out and people ask me like why aren't you drinking I'm like oh yeah I'm, I'm an alcoholic like I'm proud mm-hmm. it's in a sense like I am proud to be able to accept to accept it can i tell you something mm-hmm. i haven't seen you in a really long time because i've kind of like changed my sort of like flight patterns mm-hmm. as far as like <laughs> comedy goes i like that yeah i've changed my migration patterns yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and i haven't seen you in a hundred years and when i used to see you there was sort of this franticness in your eyes oh yeah this sort of like 
like like that that I used to have those eyes and you don't have that anymore like at all thank you it's kind of amazing (laughs) I'm like what you seem very calm and relaxed it's like it's it's kind of amazing and and you're on shows instead of just going mic to mic with Mm -hmm. a cocktail in your hand like I used to see all the time I'm like yeah she's on her way I'll see (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh um you know looking back on everything like especially with comedy I actually got sober because I had this I love you call like a spiritual awakening or like realization that mm-hmm. I was like I love stand up so much and I realized that if I kept drinking and if I kept using drugs like that was going to be the thing that was going to take me I wouldn't be able to do stand up you know yeah. and who's going to want to put me on a show when I'm I know I'm a liability or who's going to want to take me mm-hmm. on the road and it's like she's going to have like five cocktails and go like nuts you know yeah. so um the fact that I was able to get sober so early, like in my comedy career, has been such a blessing, and my standup has improved tremendously. Absolutely, being yeah. sober. Wow, that's incredible. You know, there are some people that think that um, you'll hear it a lot with musicians. They'll be like, and then they got sober, and then they sucked. But mm-hmm. it's just not like that. You just get better and better and better because mm-hmm. you're able to like access your creativity more often oh absolutely and i think that getting sober you have to you ha- you get to this point where like you can only be honest you know and that like honesty is what sets you free and what's the best thing about stand-up like when you're doing comedy and you're being authentic with your jokes your storytelling like people can connect with you so i feel like getting sober has given me a greater connection to people in my personal life and then a greater connection when i'm on stage yeah absolutely what was your most insane moment in and out of recovery um my most insane moment uh should i say it on this podcast sure uh (laughs) i remember one time i like this is being sober or like being drunk whatever okay i guess either one because i was i am listen Anyone who knows me knows that I'm capable of some straight crazy, completely clean. Like, I will, mm, I can be crazy if I'm not working my program, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> me too. Um, but the, the because we're at the comedy store, I'll tell this story, and I've never said it on a podcast, so this will mm-hmm. be cool. Um, right before I got sober, I got super wasted here at the comedy store. Okay, super <laughs> wasted so (laughs) so wasted that i thought that i could like start um shit talking amongst people and i like got into i got into a thing with jeff ross and (laughs) you got into an (laughs) argument with jeff ross (laughs) on a tuesday night after roast battle like Uh, um I just told him. So I used to work at Beecher's Madhouse. Okay. I was a miniature uh, Ariana Grande, and I worked for this guy, Jeff Beecher. And um, he was friends, or he's still friends with uh, Jeff Ross. And, like, I was just, like, you know when you're just so drunk and you're, like, just angry for yeah. just, like, things come out of you. And yeah. I was so angry about something that Jeff did at the club that I went up, or Jeff Beecher did at the club, that I went to um, Jeff Ross. And I was, like, you should tell your friend to be nicer. And it just escalated into this huge thing where I was like yelling at Jeff and poor Jeff was just like oh my god I don't know who you are why are you doing this <laughs> and I go you don't know who I am I am Lila and I like okay and then security comes security comes and I am so lucky I didn't get kicked out they just asked me to like go to the front patio like they just like you can't be like just go to the front patio you know they didn't actually kick me out and then um it was 
when I left uh, and I woke up the next morning, I was like, oh, my God, this is I just started a fight with Jeff and he didn't deserve any of that. <laughs> and so who's just a sweet, sweet, man. sweetest person. So <laughs> I waited three days. I didn't I didn't text me. My, my phone was blowing up. They're like, oh, my God, Lila, what's going on? Like because people had heard in the scene what happened. So my phone was blowing up. I thought I was banned from the commissary. And I was like, I did an amends before I knew what an amends was. <laughs> so three days later, remember I went to the comedy store and I was like, I'm going to go up to every security person, every like waitress that witnessed that and like apologize to them, you know? So I went to the security guards, apologized to everybody. And then I found Jeff and he came up to me and he like had his hand out and like with tears in his eyes. And like we had like a moment and mm. I apologized to him. You know, we we had this like moment and um, like I guess that was my first like amends, you know, oh, wow. and I'll never forget that. And ever since that, Jeff has always said hi to me, you know, like we're really <laughs> cool. So he's super nice to me. And it's funny because Jeff, um, Jeff Ross and Jeff Beecher were at the comedy club together. And now we all kind of like laugh about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it helps that I've been sober for over a year now. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Um, I'll never forget that because, you know, when you're drinking and you get into fits of rage, like you take it out on people who do not deserve it and uh you know i'm i'm grateful for that experience um can i tell you something yeah because that night when we were were there we were there and we were all rushing for the joke because we just got out of roast battle so our Uh. roast muscles are hot and ready wow and the person that got the joke out first was pat barker he goes wow someone's got a short temper Oh my god! Uh, okay, so I love that you. Were, so you were there. So yeah, you know yeah, what I'm so talking about. Con- was I there? I don't remember. I don't uh, think I'm, I was there. I'm not sure. But then uh, Connor McSpadden runs around the corner. He's like, "Who got it? Who got it?" Uh, <laughs> and we're all like, "Pat and Pat's like, sorry, bitches. I'm the best roaster there is." That's so funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. The the one thing I will say about the comedy community is after that like incident. I think the one thing that, like, saved me is that, you know, most people, like, knew that, like, I'm a sweetheart and I I never get into those kind of fits. So, like, people were really understanding of that. And that's, like, what scared me. It's, like, you only get so many chances with people and I never wanted to, like, abuse that, you know? So, it's, Mm -hmm. like, shortly after that is when... I got sober. (laughs) What a fun rock bottom. That's a good one. I like that. That's great. Oh, my God. Okay. So how do you make decisions in your life? Um, now I say the way I make decisions is like, if it feels right, if it feels good, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. You know, like life is too short to like care what other people think. And then I feel like we all have this inner intuition, this like guidance. Yeah. So usually I feel like, especially now that I'm sober, like my gut instinct is so on point, you know, like I feel like I witnessed so many little miracles. Like there'll be little signs if I'm driving and I see like the number 23 or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's where whatever I'm thinking at that time Michael, is yeah. what Michael I need Jordan. to be doing. Yeah. yeah. I got 20, I had 23 patch on my backpack. Oh, that's amazing. What, um, what have you learned about yourself that is like the most surprising thing so far? I... The biggest thing I've learned about myself in sobriety is uh, I did not even think that there would could be a way that I could live without Adderall. I didn't even think that there could be a way that I could live without alcohol. You know, and so the fact that I am able to, like, be the best version of myself Man. and I'm capable of doing that 
that's what I've learned, you know, that I can do this. And it's been an amazing journey. That's awesome. How do you experience like fear and anxiety? Um, You know, thing is like, when you get sober, like the fear and anxiety doesn't go away completely. You know, like I feel like emotions in general, they never go away. But through getting sober, I'm able to really feel what is happening to me and like release it. You know, if like I'm feeling sad, I can like sit with the sadness for a moment and release it. Whereas like before, oh, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling anxiety. I I need to find some cocaine. I need to find some Adderall. I need to like I need to have a drink so that I can like make this feeling go away. You know, so Mm -hmm. it's it's now when fear and anxiety come up. I can journal about it. I can call a friend. I can sit with it because I always know that it will pass. Yeah. What is, um, what's your level of honesty in your life? Well, you know, when I was, when I was drinking and using, I, you know, I I felt like I was honest. I felt Mm -hmm. like I was honest about it. But now this last year of my life, like the level of, I can't be nothing but honest. Right. You know, because I feel like when I, start getting back into my old ways of being deceitful like then I'm getting closer to the path that I used to be on Mm -hmm. right so it's like now through honesty and having a higher level of integrity that's what's been able to keep me sober what's that path that you speak of well it's like before when I was you know drinking and I was using I feel like oh what's little white lie here and there Mm -hmm. you know and then the lies just get bigger and they build up and then as you get sober it's I feel like these like layers start to uncover and then it's you're like the phoenix rising from the ashes right and I feel like the ashes for me were all the lies and the deceit and you know not being honest and Mm -hmm. now I can just like really own who I am interesting being accountable exactly that's one of the toughest things is just to be accountable for all your actions you're like oh this is me this has my signature on it let's make sure it's i i want to have my signature on it yeah Yeah. that's fantastic yeah taking responsibility is uh weirdly a difficult thing in this society like if you think about it have you seen the movie hereditary Mm, yes it's every character doesn't want to take responsibility for themselves Mm mm-hmm have you seen it? I've watched a lot of reviews on it, so I know what it's about. Cause it's I, I, I've heard it was really good. Terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It just drags you down this whole road. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what happens to us. You get dragged down this whole road and just it all blows up in your face. Yeah. Crazy. What character defect do you have to work on the most still? Um, I would say that probably like selfishness. You know, yeah. I think that um, I'm I'm learning to be. I mean, I, I I feel like I always was like pretty giving, you know. But when you step outside of yourself and you help another person, the return that you get on that is a lot bigger than when you just go out into the world and you're all about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's something that I've always got to keep in mind and remind myself, like that there is enough room for us all to shine. You know, and when I'm working on, you know, my patience and being giving to other people, it's it's crazy how when I'm helping someone else, like my life gets better in a way or like, you know, so Mm -hmm. that's what I would be working on always. Always. Okay. This great, uh, great little piece of advice was that um, when you don't know how to solve your problems, help someone else solve theirs. Yeah. 
And then a lot of times that's just been like in the past, like I'm about to hit my two year mark. And from just learning how to be of service to everyone else and just helping with open a door or like helping give someone else a ride in the scene. And then it just helps out. I don't know what it does to you. It just like reprograms you, rewires you. So then you think differently. Mm-hmm. And then you, you mature as a result, and from there you can solve all the problems. Like you know, little things, like we worry about our jokes. Oh, our jokes. Right. Oh, how's this gonna work out? And then while you're outside of comedy, you learn how to solve the problem inside of comedy. Right. It's 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 odd, but yeah, just ha- having so many resources around you is helpful too. That's why the program has been nothing but giving, because everyone else there is being of service to everyone else. So when you get rid of, you know, the, that mirror that's in front of you, that society has almost programmed us to live in, uh, you can actually see what the hell's going on and be more proud of it. And b- people are getting so involved in gaming and virtual reality and all that because the world's on fire. You think? For the most part. The world's, yeah. the world's not really on fire. That's what they would like to like for you to think. But I think we're as we're getting closer to like augmented reality and virtual reality, it's gonna it's gonna be weird. It's gonna we're we're approaching a weird weird time in <laughs> human existence, and I'm I'm glad I'm sober for it. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh! Have you? Okay, this is I keep breaking up movies. Mm-hmm. Go see the Mr. Rogers documentary. Oh my goodness! I really want to see that movie. I was watching the previews on YouTube, like any clip that I could find. It was like it brought me brought me to tears because it also brought back like a lot of memories as a child Mm -hmm. like watching it that one thing that he says is you know everything comes down to love or the lack of it and like yeah so Mm. simply put but it's so true yeah and um, i'm gonna have to tweet that and that's that's all yeah he really he was an advanced human he mm-hmm. was an yeah. advanced human being. He just really, he really understood. He was like talented with like child psychology. And so he yeah. understood that like, he understood that connection is everything. And that's what we really get out of the program is we're mm-hmm. like reconnecting, which is fantastic. I See, don't know. I cried the whole time. I was, everybody was laughing. I was like almost at a full grown like sob. Like I was like, I was already crying. And then I was like, <laughs> and I was like, get it together. You're in public. <laughs> I'm gonna watch that movie. I'm so yeah. excited. So good. I gotta watch it. I grew up without Mr. Rogers in the neighborhood because I don't know. We we just weren't a family that like embraced all that just yet because we didn't know. My parents just got here. They just wanted to survive. And oh hey, just all I would watch is like Power Rangers. <laughs> and, like, yeah. And my yeah. sister would watch Little Mermaid because that's all we could afford. We had like a a Little Mermaid VHS tape Aww. and. I had a, we had our, our Nintendo system. I would just play Mario Brothers all day or like Duck Hunt. And that was that was our day to day. Oh, and wow. Never got Mr. Rogers. I wish I did. I wish I did. That's really, you can watch it on Amazon. But watch the documentary mm-hmm. first so you mm-hmm. understand what he's doing. Because like in the first, uh, first week, I don't want to spoil it, but they did mm-hmm. some really amazing stuff. There was like some social things happening in like 1968. Mm-hmm. And, um, their first week of programming was them addressing what was happening, like the death of like a public figure. Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. like that's how they went into a child show. Is they were just like, yeah, I saw the I saw the trailer before the movie, and I was like, God, he was doing that. He was wow, killing it in the game, killing it in the game. Advanced was, human being. Yeah, he was just yeah, just a, an evolved human. Yeah, and I'm, I'm yeah. Mm. Anyway, I don't want to cry and thinking st- about and it. We're still, having those, so we're still having those same conversations. I think so. I mean, mm. Mm. Uh, 
you know, I think it's just, you know, that saying you hear a lot in the program, like hurt people, hurt people. Well, Absolutely. Hurt, hurt people can heal people too. We're proof of that mm-hmm. for sure. You know? So what is, speaking of amends, you're like super fun, almost you're super fun before amends amends. What's been the like mm-hmm. most interesting amends that you've made? Oh, so I far? got a really good one. You're going to love this. If you like the Jeff Roster, you'll like this one. <laughs> uh, so, you know, the restaurant across the street from the dime. What's the name of it? Cantor's. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love Cantor's. It's like and, my favorite place. And I used to love Cantor's right after the dime, after I'd been drinking. I'd always go into Cantor's. Well, one time I went into Cantor's. I've seen you there. Mm-hmm. Well, one time I went to Cantor's and I was super drunk with my friends. We were so drunk and obnoxious that the lady told us that we were banned from Cantor's and we couldn't come there anymore. Wow. So I got banned from Cantor's. That's a really rough Hilarious. thing to happen, to get banned right? from a diner where there's banned. literally a man whose pants have fallen down. He is asleep at the counter right yeah. now. Right. So I got banned from Cantor's. And then two weeks later, <laughs> two weeks later, I go back no in. No for you. And the, the, uh, the lady who had banned me recognized me. And she was like, you can't be in here. And I was like, we can't. Because what happened was when we first got banned me my friend um we got in trouble because he we were just talking really loudly and he was cursing and she was like this is a family restaurant you can't be cursing and he was like uh it's two o'clock in the morning like who the fuck is in here right so we got banned second time i go in i'm like are we really banned because my friend cursed and he was she was like yeah and i go well if i throw in a few more curse words would that matter then is and she was like no so then i was so drunk I was like, announcement! And I had everybody in the restaurant look at me. (laughs) And I was like, we have been banned from this establishment, which I think is complete bullshit because I came here for the mac and cheese and I love the mac and cheese and I'm so upset right now. (laughs) (laughs) So I made this like huge scene because I was like, well, if I'm going to get banned, I'm going to make a scene of it. So then... um, (laughs) You went full. I want to speak to your manager. (laughs) I went like full crazy. And then there was like a guy Snapchatting it. And I was like, are you Snapchatting this? And he was like, yeah. So then I went even crazier. And uh, six months into getting sober, um, after like a meeting, everybody wanted to go out to dinner at Cantor's. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) She's going to remember me. I cannot be here. Did you tell them? I've been banned from Cantor's. Like, how well, funny is I that? I did. Once we got to the restaurant, we were sitting down. And I was like, I, she's like, well, this is perfect. The g- lady I was with, like, you can make an amends. And I was like, okay. So then the lady who bans me, she recognized all those people because they come there every week. So she knew everybody at the table was sober. And then she saw me with them. So then I apologized to her. And I told her I had, like, six months of sobriety. And then she told me I was welcome back to Cantor's anytime. Yay. So it was really, that was yay. a really... That was like a really big amends for me because now I can, love Cantor's, yeah, you know? Now, so now, now I can now go can in there. you can pay $16 for a goddamn pastrami sandwich. That's a goddamn great pastrami sandwich, 16, though. Uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, I don't think... Uh, Cantor's has amazing it, yeah, food. But. It has amazing food. I like to have the option to be able to buy that. Yeah. yeah. I just live for them pickles. Mm. Oh, yeah, I live for them pickles. pickles. Yep. Oh, my God. That's so funny. You have to, in the program, by the way, you become a diner aficionado. Like, mm-hmm. that used to blow the comics away, especially the Rose Battle guys. I had, like, a top ten list of my favorite diners and why. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was some sort of, like, frizzy. BuzzFeed article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a BuzzFeed article or, like, a, a frizzy Guy Fieri. Like, yeah. I definitely... <laughs> love a diner i have you fucks with cafe 101 never been to cafe (gasps) that's on franklin it's 24 hours and it is a lower price point than canters Mm. see i love 24 hour diners yeah it's got to be 24 hours or if you're ever in orange county doing a show go to the harbor house 
house. What's up, Harbor House? Love you. You really are Sponsor a cafe us. lady. You I know where they are. I fucking love a cafe. <laughs> I love it. I love that like shitty coffee. I love shitty coffee. I love shitty meeting coffee, which is its own specific flavor and should only be enjoyed out of one of those styrofoam cups. That yeah. is exactly <laughs> how it should be enjoyed. And then I also really love like shitty diner coffee. <laughs> and the thing about Canner's is Canner's coffee is particularly gnarly. Like that will... I, it is just all acid. It just blows. It just grows hair right on your chest. <laughs> There's no amount of cream and or sugar that will help it. It's kind of gross. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so I, I do have a top 10 list of diners that I will someday share. Maybe I'll share. Tweet at us if you yeah, want me yeah, to share it. I will yeah. tweet my favorite diners. You, you totally should. You know, the weird thing, when I got sober, I, my diet completely changed. Like, I used to love fast food, and I used to love, like, Actually, I didn't really eat at all, so I don't even know what I'm talking about. But well, you were starving, so you liked high-calorie high foods. Yes, yeah. and so, mm-hmm. like, I when I first got sober, I remember I used to go on a morning hike every morning. I'd be crying on this hike, <laughs> but I needed to get, like, I just... Would you go alone? Yes, every what? morning. Every I mean, morning? Where? Um, uh, To Franklin. There's a... Or it's you, you go up, like, you go from Franklin to, like... The, uh, what's, I can't figure out the name. I can't remember the name. Or no, Run- it wasn't. Runyon Canyon? I would do Runyon Canyon, and then there's this other one. It's, it's a big circle, and I would do it every morning. So, like, the first three months of my sobriety, I would do these Instagram stories where I would wake up... and I would start it right when I woke up, so I'd wake up, like, really happy, and then make myself go to... The hike, you know, so it's like the first thing I would do before I could like even think was just go on this hike. Wow. And then it it helped because no matter what I did for the rest of the day, I always felt super accomplished. I'm like, I just went on this hike, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's good. But I did that. And then I would drink a lot of water and I drank so many nasty juices because mm-hmm. I missed alcohol and I needed like something. <laughs> so like all the gnarly, all the cold press you can think of those like those cayenne pepper shots or whatever. <laughs> I was like a juice, a juice queen. Living your best life. That's really right. funny. I juice. love that. I love that the sweat can like hide all the tears. Oh, yeah, it was so bad. I'd be crying. Oh, and I also remember the first day of my hike, I saw a huge rattlesnake. It was in my path, a big one. I took a video of it, and then I Googled it later, and it said that if you run um, into a snake in the garden and, like, laying across like that, um, that something or something really wonderful in your life was about to change. You're about to enter, like, a new era of life, and it was on the Internet. So I was like, oh, this must be real. So I I held on to that, and I would go so early that sometimes I'd see deer. I'd see all sorts of animals that run across these tracks. So. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that you live next to a high. That's I want to. Uh, I'm such a country mouse. I am such a country mouse that like, I haven't lived near nature in a real long time, and I'm like, ah, I get city <laughs> fever. I'm like, I need to be in the nature. I love yeah, that you were doing good. that. That's beautiful. That's amazing. What? Um. Okay. So we had the the men's. We got the. How do you experience forgiveness? Um. You know, when it comes to forgiveness, I don't hold on to things very long. Mm-hmm. I don't really, ha- to be honest with you, I don't really have any grudges on me not, right now. Not that, a single resentment. Not anything that's like popping up to my head at this moment. Like in this in this moment right now, I feel really good. I. Uh, no ex-boyfriends that you're just like, fuck that guy. No, I think that because I have gone through such a transformation in myself, I think that I've actually developed more empathy. 
So mm. it's been easier for me to forgive because I know what it's like to, you know, be on the be in the the depths of my addiction. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the people that I have resentment towards are still heavily using or, you know, still going through a lot of stuff. So I've been able to forgive and also understand that as you get sober, like you're not going to hang out with the same people, you know, and yeah. you're going to have to let certain things go. Hmm. Who's uh, someone you've like sat down with since your sobriety to kind of like share your story with aside from us, of course. Um, well, a lot of like newcomers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, come to meetings. Um, I've, you know how they say in the book, like, you know, you're supposed to like help the newcomer. And, you know, when I, when I first got sober, I remember there was this guy who came to like a comedy store meeting. Right. And he, um, are we allowed to say that? Yeah. Okay, cool. We can say whatever you want. Every uh, day at 1 p.m. Every day at <laughs> 1 p.m. It is like, it's one of those things. That's why I say you can choose how mm-hmm. much you disclose and how much you don't disclose. Like it's, it's kind of up to you. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I went to this meeting and this kid comes and he looks like a homeless Zac Efron. Like really hot, also very homeless. I mean, we had all of his bags with him and he like raised his hand and he was like, I'm sober. And I like, he got kicked out of his sober living and couldn't go back there to like 10. So I was like, you can hang out with me all day. And I remember mm. I brought this kid to all the mics with me, <laughs> like brought him, like just kind of had, so he wouldn't drink. And um, I, I got him into the sober living. Then the next day or two days later, I went to a log cabin meeting at like nighttime. And as the meeting was ending, the same kid came up with like all like this trash bag of stuff. And I was like, where are you going? And he's like, I just knew to come to the log cabin. So I actually let him spend the night on my floor in my room. Next day, made him call his mom, drove him all the way to like North County, then made it to my meeting. So it's like these are the kind of stuff I was like doing when I first got sober is like, you know, like really trying to help other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his mom, when I called her, she actually w- was sober for 23 years. Wow. You know, so it was cool. Like a lot of, I know this is like a long story, but a lot of things like that have happened in my life where I've like run into people and have been able to like share my story, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's, and that's really above and beyond. And well, I, st- yeah. I still like, wow. I still go out. Like I still go to clubs. Like I still like, obviously we're at the comedy clubs all the time. So there's a lot of alcohol around here, but like there'll be times where like I'll be at a nightclub and I'll run into somebody and I won't be drinking. Like recently I met this girl and she's like, Oh my gosh, you don't drink. I've been trying to quit. She's like, will yeah. you be my sponsor? And we just like met at the <laughs> club. And I was like, I'll, Hello, I was like, I will be your spiritual sponsor. Like you can call me and I'll be friends with you. And I could talk to you about this stuff, but like, I'm not really like ready to fully commit to that yeah yeah but i can talk to someone about you know all that that's so fun what um what do you do to like maintain this thing on what does your day-to-day look like um i don't go on my hikes anymore right uh i that's the one thing like i wish i was still like doing yeah um but once i feel like that was very necessary in the beginning beginning but now like i wake up every morning and the one thing i have stuck to doing is making my bed and mm. I know it's so, like, simple, but not, you know, when I make my bed, I feel like I've accomplished something, yeah. you know? And so even if I have a shitty-ass day and I come back to my room and my bed is made, it just feels good. Yeah. And I never used to do that before. So my day always starts with me making my bed. Um, I try to drink a lot of water throughout the day and go to a meeting, you know, and then all my other stuff in between. But, yeah. 
Yeah. I still I text my gratitude list to people. Hey. You know, and I have a few people who always text me their gratitude lists. Uh, when I first got to AA, I thought it was like, I thought guys were just flirting with me when they sent me their gratitude list. <laughs> like, I thought I was special. And then I realized I was like, no, this is what we do. He's like, I'm grateful for that ass. Um, that's funny. Yeah, we're genuinely nice people, right? Or at least we're trained to do so. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we meet each other with some authenticity. And in the world that we're used to dealing with, especially in Hollywood, most people, when they interact with you, they want something. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like it's unnerving at first. You're like, why is this? Why are you flirting with me? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> but then it's like, oh wait a minute, no, this is just this is just genuine interaction. Cool, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. A good old small talk. Good old connecting, just for the sake of connecting. Yeah, I've learned that a lot. I also make my bed every morning. Okay, cool. So you get it. Yeah, for the past <laughs> year and some change, oh. year and three quarters, I've made my bed every morning. I feel the same sense of accomplishment. Did you, did you do that before? Nope. Always a messy so bed coming back home. And I'm like, ah, who cares? It's not a big <laughs> thing. But now that I make my bed every morning, I kind of try to metaphorically make the bed throughout the day. You know, clean up as I go. Yeah. Don't let things build up. Pay all my bills on time. Little things like that. Gives me like a nice sense of accomplishment where my consciousness isn't, or my subconscious isn't all like packed it up back there and it just comes out in unhealthy doses. And then all the reactions that I have with people come with that, Mm -hmm. you know? So now I just have clean, clear actions. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. And my fiance appreciates it. She comes (laughs) home. She's like, Oh, the bed's mad because she's OCD. And she's like, Oh, that's one little thing. She doesn't have time to, well, she can't make the bed in the morning because I'm in it still, you know, coming home late at Mike's and she's up at 6am. So when she goes to bed, she feels good about it. So, a little good feeling can go a long way. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Little small moments. Yeah. What's your relationship with your higher power like? Be even before I got sober, um, I always had like a connection with mm-hmm. God. You know, I still I remember being so I grew up Christian and I remember being like seven years old and like going up to the altar and they're like, If you want to accept Jesus into your heart, you know, and like I remember doing that like at seven, like and and like believing all that, like believing that there was a God up there who like sent me down here for like a purpose. And, you know, and then I feel like there was a time like when I got to college and when I started drinking and acting a fool, like where I kind of just like pushed that like higher power thing like away. Right. And now being sober, it's like I feel like I see God through the kindness and like just different scenarios in in my life you know um when I'm when I'm meditating I mean I feel like those are times when I'm like really connected with God and I just take that moment to be with him and it's and I feel God when I'm in the rooms you know like the honesty and the authenticity or, or authenticity that is spoken in those rooms like to me that's there's a God presence there or a higher presence it's awesome What's somebody, what's something you want to tell somebody just like you? For anyone else that, you know, is like struggling with alcoholism or addiction of any kind, just like there is hope. There's hope. And when I, when I was in the depths of my hopelessness, like the one thing that, that kept me going was 
there was just like this inkling like in my heart that just kind of knew like there has to be another way mm-hmm. you know and, and if you feel that if you're if you're feeling that sense follow that follow that you know and um there is hope there's a lot of hope that's amazing yay we did it we did it damn that was ooh. That was efficient. That was power. Power. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. I just, I just want to say, like, I really appreciate the two of you. It's, but I know how crazy comedy is, and we yeah. know how crazy this industry is, and being out here in Hollywood. But it is so refreshing when I run into the two of you, just out oh. and about in life, and see you on shows, and it's just. Just knowing that you totally get me and you totally understand. So mm-hmm. it's inspiring. And thank you again so much. You have uh. no, you have really have no idea that like moment when I saw you and you told like the first time you ever t- spoke about sobriety to yeah. me, like I'll never forget that because that was one of the little seeds that was planted oh. to let me know that there is a different way. I'm going to you know? cry. And, and running in, and when I ran into you at one of my first meetings, it's like I to know. see that you were there and you spoke with so much honesty, I wanted to have more of that in my life. So Aww. thank you guys. It means a lot. Oh it really means God. a lot. You're an inspiration. You're an inspiration. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at love Lila heart, L O V E L I L A H A R T. And you can also watch uh, my talk show. It's called small talk. With Lila Hart. It's on YouTube and it's under channel 310. It's the name of the YouTube page. You can subscribe to channel 310. Oh, I love that. We fucks with you heavy, Lila. Thank you. You've gotten so funny. You've evolved as a human, as a comedian. I've seen you crush fucking rooms. That's great. That's great. Yeah, you're doing great. I'm really proud of you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. Alex, where can people find you? I'm on all social media platforms at Dapper Duong, D-A-P-P-E-R-D-U-O-D-U-O-N-G. I can't even spell my own name. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Asian sex symbol. (laughs) Is that part of it? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) (laughs) He just would like to be marketed, guys. And just remember, he is an Asian sex symbol. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And uh, you can find me at Anna V is fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also uh, find me on Facebook. You can find me at my website, uh, com, And I have another podcast called Brouhaha Podcast on the Unpops Network, which we will someday be migrating to, I think. I don't know. Who Shout cares? out. Shout out to Unpops. Um, all right, guys. Uh, Lila, if nobody's told you this today, I love you. I love you guys. Thank you. And Alex, if nobody's told you this today, I love you, man. Love you too. And if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today, we love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.